Hey Brandon, you want to hit the lights? <laughs> and let there be light. Oh, well, how y'all doing this morning? You guys excited for the Christmas season? I know I just had my first family Christmas event last night, and it was lots of fun. We ate lots, we had lots of fun. It was good. It was good. <laughs> Not much more to say about that than that. We started a new series last week called Name Changer. And we were talking about how in the Bible, names are very important. They're not just there for no reason. Sometimes we can look at some of the endless genealogies and be like, oh my goodness, why is this in the Bible? So-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so. And that's great for people like me who like to travel the chain and find out who's related to who and why are you important in this story because of who you're related to. And that's great. And for the average reader, yeah, you could skim over some of the, of the lineages. But there's certain ones that are actually very important. And last week, we talked about the lineage of Jesus and how each name is important from Adam to Joseph because they actually all have meaning and they tell a prophetic story. And so we told you that story last week, and I was thinking about a much shorter one this week because last week's was very verb, lots of words. But there's also, you can follow the lineage of Cain. Now, who do, what do we know about Cain? Cain, he was supposed to be the line in which Jesus came through. He was the firstborn among Adam and Eve's kids. It was Cain, then there was Abel, and then they ended up having Seth afterwards. And so Cain was the one who the lineage was supposed to come through, but we know he, all, he screwed up, right? He, he murders his brother, and then God comes to him and says, Hey, Cain, sin is at your door, but you can rule over it. So we need to understand that the whole situation with Cain and Abel wasn't supposed to be the final word. God came to them and came to Cain and said, we can still make this right, Cain. You can rule over the situation you're in. But we know Cain chose to harden his heart and turn away from it. And so this is what Cain's lineage looked like. It's much shorter than Jesus's. Adam, Cain, Enoch, Arad, Mahujael, Methushael, Lamech, and Jabal. And when you take the meanings of their names and you put them together, it's like this. It says, a man is brought forth instructing a fugitive. Smitten of God, his death is of God, and despair flows forth. And what do we know about Cain? He became a fugitive on the run that God put a mark on him so that everyone would know who he was. And he lived his life all his days as a fugitive. And the line that came from him caused nothing but heartache and pain on the earth. So it got to the point of Noah where God looked at it and said, my goodness, all the descendants of the earth are just so bad, we need to have a reboot. And so God had to send the flood, and change how things were. And so that's where Cain's end line ends. Despair flows forth. But that was never God's intention for Cain. His name means, when Eve got him, she said, I've got a little man from the Lord. He had destiny. He had purpose. Just like every one of us, just like anyone who has ever been born on this earth, God has a destiny and a purpose for. But you know what? Most people don't ever walk in the destiny that God has for them. By our choices, we choose where we end up. And so we see that's how Cain ended up. But if we follow other names, it's just, there's so many different name changes that take place in the Bible. It's interesting to see where, why they went that direction. And so last week we talked about Jacob and Esau. And they didn't really have the greatest start into the world when we're talking about names. Their names literally mean hair 
and heel and deceiver. Like the, those are not would be my not be my first choice for meanings for my kids' names. And so obviously Rebecca was like, oh my goodness, where did I get this hairy little beast? <laughs> and then she, she saw that uh, uh, Jacob had reached out and was grabbing onto Esau's heel. Well, I might as well just call him heel. Not a lot of inspiration going on there. And uh, we saw that Esau lived his life by the physical associations of his name. So his first name, Esau, being hair, he decided, hey, what else is hairy? We got wild beasts of the forest. And so he became a hunter, and he spent his time in the woods among the beasts. And then his name gets changed to Edom, which means red. And that was in association with he was willing to sell his birthright for a little bit of red stew. And you know what happened? The word Edom turns into the nation of the Edomites, and they become one of the main adversaries of the people of God. And so Esau's choices, though he was born into the royal family of the Jewish people, we're talking Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, that's the family. It should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But by his choices to give up what God had destined for him, he now turned himself into an adversary of God's people. And so our choices can put us at odds with what God's destiny for us really was. But we saw that Jacob was following the same path of his name until he had an encounter with God. We know he cheated his brother out of his birthright. We know he, he deceived everybody to get the blessing. We know that he ticked his brother off so much that he was going to kill him, and so he had to run. And so Jacob is following the same path of association with his name until he has an encounter with God. And he has a vision of heaven opening up and the angels ascending and descending. And then God speaks to him and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your people many. I'm, you're going to make you so rich. And then Jacob wakes up from this vision and he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. How many situations have we been in our life where we weren't aware that God's presence was there to change everything? I want to tell you right now, God's presence is here with you right now to change everything because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will change your destiny. He will revitalize what you thought was lost. And so though Jacob had lived as a heel, as a deceiver his life, up until that point, everything changes. And God blesses and increases Jacob, even while working for an unfair boss. You know, that whole situation, he went to, he went to his uncle... And he found a wife that he wanted. And his uncle said, you know what? I want you to work seven years for her. Like, what kind of situation is that? And so he works the seven years. And then the uncle gives him a different sister. And he says, but you can, you can work another seven years and get the one you wanted. So he works 14 years to get the wife he wanted. And then in the end, he had grown his uncle's flocks and businesses to such a great size. His uncle's like, I can't let this guy get out of here. And so Jacob says to his uncle and says, says, you know, give me the worst of your flocks and whatever's the weak, whatever's the worst, I'll take those and grow them and you keep all the strong one. And God's blessing was so much on jo Jacob that he was able to turn it around and all the weak ones became strong and all the strong ones became weak. And then so his uncle changes the deal. 
And so God just blesses the other one. Whatever you set your hand to do will bless, be blessed when you work with God. Even if you're working under unfair conditions. Even if the rules keep getting changed. You know, the rules of this economy do not have to bind you. You are not limited by them. You are limited by Almighty God who has no limits. And so when we begin to learn His boundaries, we begin to see ours and the fact that He has no boundaries. The universe continues to expand every day. His kingdom is only ever increasing and never shrinking. And that's the God you serve. And so it didn't matter that he had an unfair boss. And God was able to turn the situation around with his brother that they were able to make peace. And he returns. And all these years after this is the way Jacob had been living, then God changed his name to God Prevails. How many believe that God can prevail in your situation? Well, it doesn't matter what has been spoken over you. It doesn't matter the names that people have called you. In the end, God prevails. And you begin to live out of your heart first, and then the names around you begin to change. Maybe you were the broke one growing up. We'll let people begin to see that you're the blessed one now. Maybe you were sick and weak growing up, and now you're the strong one who's always healthy in there. You know, God can turn your situation around. And as we said last week, the quote, it ain't what they call you, it's what you answer to. You get to determine your boundaries and your destiny. And so this morning, I want to take a look at another story of name change. And if you want to join me over in the book of Ruth. And in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. And the man's name was Elimelech. And his wife was Naomi. And their two sons were Malon and Kilion. And they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. So what do we know about this family? Not a whole lot other than that they're, they're from the tribe of Ephraim. They live in Bethlehem. And that they decided, they looked around, there was a famine. And they said, you know what? We're out of here. But you know what? Elimelech's name actually means, my God is king. That's interesting. So I have some questions for Elimelech this morning. Why are you leaving the promised land, Elimelech, if God is your king? Why are you going to live with the enemy if God is your king, Elimelech? Didn't God pr promise to bless you in the land he was giving you? Didn't he bring them up out of Egypt to settle them in the land of promise? Didn't he have Joshua rise up the mighty men and go through and take the land that they're now living in? Why are you leaving, Elimelech, if God is your king? So what do we know about this family? Elimelech has been given a name that he does not live by. So let's just go ahead and tell you, the story doesn't go well for him. Then Elimelech died. And Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other married a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Milan and Kilion died. And this left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Not a very good situation. But we have to ask a question. 10 years, no kids? This is not a land where the blessing of God is flowing. 
What do we know about the start of the story? Was there a command from God saying, go to Moab? No. No. We just have someone making a choice to move in a direction. There was no command of God. So we know Milan and Kilion die. We don't know how they die, other than that their names literally mean sick and destruction. So maybe Milan got a disease and died. Maybe Kilion was killed in an accident. We don't really know, but they lived up to their names in this story. You know, I was reading an old uh, rabbi um, study, and they were saying that they thought that Milan and Kilion were pressed into service for the Moabites and were actually fighting against the Israelites, but we really have no evidence of that other than that we probably can guess that Milan died of a sickness because that's literally what his name means. You got to be careful of the things that you speak over yourself. Oh, I'm just so tired. Oh, I'm just not feeling well today. You know, some people, that's their story every day. And then their lives begin to live up to the words that they've spoken over them. So every day, Naomi's been calling her kid, come here, sick, come here, sick, come here, destruction, come here, destruction. So you got to be careful of the things that you speak over yourself and what you speak over your family. You know, maybe your kid is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. You don't need him to remind him of that. You remind him of all the opportunities and the blessings of God and how he's got so much ahead of him. We don't need to talk like the rest of the world talks. And that led Elimelech to his grave, it led, led Milan to his grave, and it left Killian to his grave. And I'm so glad that the story does not end there. Yep. Verse 6. says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi had her daughters-in-law, and, uh, and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab and to return to her homeland. Land. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with security of another marriage. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could, outgrow, who could grow up to be your husbands? He said, no, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Wow. Let's think about the heart of Naomi in this state. Who's, who does she believe's fault this is? She believes it's God and she says things are bitter for me. Because the Lord has raised his fist against me. So I ask you again, whose decision was it for them to go to Moab? Was it God's? No, it was Elimelech's. It was Naomi. They were involved in that decision, not God. But it's funny how God often gets blamed for our poor choices. You know, I've heard some people say it's like, you know, if it was good, it was luck. If it was bad, it was God. You know, sometimes we just have to, as Jessica would say, we need to own it. 
If you made the decision, you take the blame, get back with God and move on. The problem in the situation was not God. They were living in the land of promise and they chose to leave it. You know, I've seen too many Christians walk through this situation where they were living where God had asked them to be and then they get the bright idea that the grass might be greener somewhere else. And then they find themselves in a place they never wanted to be and then suddenly it's God's fault. God is not the author of your problems. It says every good and perfect things comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. God's not the bad guy in your situation. And if you've made poor choices, that's okay. You can turn it around and start making good ones. That's what I love about God. He's always the God of second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and million chances. He will always give you another chance to turn it around as long as you have breath in your lungs. You know, that's what I love about people being on their deathbed, still being able to cry out to God. It didn't matter about their life that they lived up until that point. They can open their heart and receive him right there. He's always willing to turn the situation around if you're willing to work with him. And so it says again, they wept together and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Said, look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. So we all got to see that Elimelech, though his name was God is my king, he wasn't setting a good example because obviously God wasn't their first priority. Because even when she's telling her daughter-in-laws to go back, she said, oh, just go serve some other gods. That means that there's not a God priority for her. It's really telling in this story. But Ruth replied back, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there we will be, I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death separate us. And you want to know why that statement from Ruth is so important? Do you know, do you know what her name means? Friendship. Actually, a better interpretation would probably be loyal companion. And so she is someone who is living up to her name. It doesn't matter where you go, Naomi, I'm going with you. It doesn't matter where you choose to live, I'll be living there with you. She will not turn away from what she's been called to be. It says, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. And so the two of them continued on their journey, and when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. So this gives us a picture that they weren't just a bunch of nobodies in the town of Bethlehem. Everybody knew who she was. Is it really Naomi who's come back home? And they were excited about it. So obviously they were people of prominence at one point in the region of Bethlehem. But that'd be great if they were just all excited about it in the story, but here's what happens next. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the, the Almighty has made life bitter, very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So she says, don't call my name Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. You know what Naomi means? 
It means my delight. It comes from the root kindness, pleasantness, beauty, and favor. And Mara just means bitterness. And so we see that it wasn't God who changes Naomi's name in this story. It's Naomi who changes her own heart. And so we understand that name changes go both ways. We have a God who can change your destiny, but he can't override the destiny you choose. Oh, come on, I know this isn't the yeah, yeah, hurrah, hurrah, but it's true, and we have to understand that. God can bless you as much as he can, but he can't outrun your choices. It's true. So Naomi has learned to let her heart be moved by the external circumstances rather than her internal destiny. You know, Let's look at this word in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So what does he say about bitterness? It's poison. You know, the thing I've found about when I've been bitter or I've been with other people that are bitter is we always think that it's justified. But we have to understand, it's not hurting the other person, it's only hurting you. They say that bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. The only one who's getting hurt is you. And so, Naomi has turned off her heart from God. But you know what? She's still got some merit in this story. She got a woman named Ruth to the land of Israel. And her life now changes from this point on. But we see that she's now drawing from the root of bitterness, and it's causing her life poison. But you know, we have a different root that we can draw from. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says, May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself in dwelling in your innermost being and personality. There is a source inside of you called the Holy Spirit where you can, instead of drawing from bitterness, drawing from hurt, you can draw from strength. You can draw from power. You can draw from provision. You can draw from joy. You can draw from peace. You can draw from whatever you need in that situation. And may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory. The rich treasury of his glory. He didn't just give you a little bit. He gave you a rich treasury of his glory. (coughs) The thing about the Holy Spirit is he is just like Jesus. That's what Jesus said. He said, stay in Jerusalem until you receive another comforter. And the word another is same as this one. Meaning he's saying, he's just like me, guys. You'll recognize him. You'll know him because he'll be filled with nothing but love. He'll be filled with nothing but healing and joy and peace and all these things that you need. And he'll come and make his life and live inside of you. So you have an inner strength that you can pull from rather than the root of bitterness that pulls poison. You know, it doesn't stay there. It says, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide and make his permanent home in your hearts. And may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. I love that. 
That means I'll never, I can spend the next million years in heaven trying to comprehend the depths of God's love and I'll never understand it fully. My goodness. Then you will be made. Oh, 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 oh. What does it say? Then. So that means it's a conditional statement. The more you begin to focus on the love of God rather than the hurts, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Woo! <laughs> That's what we have on the inside of us. And so everything else can fall apart in our lives and we don't have to be the ones that get bitter. We don't have to be the ones that get hurt and get hard and close off and become a hardened shell, shell to the things that are going on around us. No, we can be in the midst of a problem and be letting love and blessing flow forth from our inner man. And so the story of Ruth now begins to take a turn. Up until this point, it's been about Naomi. And now the narrative shifts. It says, now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. So we know that he was wealthy and influential, and he lived in Bethlehem just like them. So we see that Boaz stayed in the land and became wealthy through a famine. Where Elimelech left the land, the promised land, the land that had been given, the, the land of blessing that used to flow with milk and honey, and when you draw on the promise of God, it will once again. Elimelech goes and dies in Moab. So we see the opposite has gone on in Boaz's life, and Boaz becomes the redeemer of the family. He buys back Naomi's property that she lost when Elimelech and Naomi left with their family. Boaz goes in and buys it and marries Ruth and gives it all to her. I think that goes to show how important it is to be loyal companion to those around you. God always blesses faithfulness. And he turns it around for her. And so she came into the country as a foreigner. But do you know what happened? Her and Boaz have a kid named Obed, who has a kid named Jesse, who has a kid named David, who Jesus' line comes through. So God can take an outsider and a foreigner and graft it into his own family line. If he can do that with a Moabite, what can he do with you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And a lot of us look at, well, you, he can't use me because of this and because of that and this, and this happened to me, and that's just a bunch of malarkey. He could use a donkey. He surely can use my lips. So we see the story of Naomi and Ruth is much different than the story of Jacob and Esau. The story of Jacob is about how God redeemed someone and changed their life to something. And the story of Naomi is how she, by her choices, chose to walk away from the blessing. And so there's two different types of name change that you can go through in this. But there's one more type that I want to talk about this morning before we close. And that's in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. says, There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. So the word Jabez actually means he will cause pain. What a name to start your life out with. Literally, he will cause 
pain. So that doesn't sound like a great destiny that has been spoken over Jabez. But you know, he took his life into his own hands rather than living by what his mother thought of him. And here's what it says. He was the one, oh, I like that. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And what does the last part say? And God granted him his request. So he said, Lord, bless me. Please don't let me cause pain. Expand my territory. And God said, that's a dream I can get behind. God, everyone in my family has been broke. The line stops here. I thank you that you bless me. God, I've come from a family where everybody's sick. The line stops here now. I thank you that you bless me. God, I've grown up with a bunch of dumb people. I thank you that you're my wisdom. God, I've grown up with a bunch of crazies in my family. The line stops here. Whatever your background is, the line stops here. Because whatever the name is, we know that it says about Jesus, He is the name above every name, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. So that's the name you declare in your situation today, that Jesus is Lord over every situation and let Him become the name changer in your life. Let Him speak His words over you, His words of blessing, because I guarantee you He will be singing blessing and delight and love and peace and the peace that passes understanding every day, that's what he'll be singing over your life. And let that become your name change. Maybe you've been watching us this morning via the internet and you haven't had that name change with Jesus. Don't let it be another moment. Right now, all it needs is for you just to lift up your hands and say, Jesus, I receive you and I thank you. That's how simple it is. And if you now prayed that prayer with me, I want you to reach out to us and get in touch with us so that we can get you hooked up with a good church in your area. If you're in our area, we invite you just to come and join us. We're a bunch of crazy people who love to love God. <laughs> So come and have some fun with us. But you guys, you determine your destiny. God has a plan and a future for you, but he can't make you walk it. So we have the choice. We can be like Jacob and let our lives be changed after an encounter with Jesus, or we can be like Naomi and let our lives be changed by every rock and hardship that comes our way. But the choice is ours. But I love the verse in the New Testament says that thanks be to God who always leads me into triumph. I'm looking at a bunch of triumphant people here this morning. I'm looking at a bunch of victors. I'm looking at a bunch of world changers because they've met the name changer. So, Father, I thank you for each and every one here that's listening. Father, I thank you that you change hearts, you change minds, you change lives, you change destinies. And so this morning, that's what I speak over them. I thank you for world-changing destinies. We thank you, Father, for revolutionary business ideas. We thank you for new ways of doing things, God-inspired ways. We thank you that you're not short on creativity, God. You always just need a little splash, and that revolutionizes the world. And so I thank you. Those are the type of people that I'm talking to this morning, and I call them blessed because you have. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.
You guys have great things in store for you if you choose to walk the walk with God. You guys have a wonderful week. Let's have some coffee and fellowship.